Sober Sex is a podcast focusing on conversations about what self-integrity, spirituality, and personal evolution look like for different people as we learn to be and accept ourselves sexually and intimately. Hi, and welcome to Sober Sex. This week's guest is dear friend and genuine, genuine, genuine inspiration, Courtney Wittich. Uh, We talk about her present stage of the journey in between a career in fashion PR and who knows what's next. Uh, There is a mention of sexual assault. So if that's going to be triggering for you, we suggest you might skip this episode, even though it's not at all graphically described. It might be upsetting to some, um, but yeah, we really, we love Courtney so much and we so appreciate her level of generosity and vulnerability and genuine uh, love of life that she was kind enough to share with us today. So we hope you love this episode of Sober Sex as much as we enjoyed recording it. Hi. Stay tuned. Courtney! <laughs> Hi, Courtney! We have no, can you see us? Do you see us have a waveform? We don't see our own waveform. Yeah, can you I see, see a waveform? waveform. Okay. Do you see my oh, waveform? I see your waveform is sexy. Yours is fat. I love it. <laughs> hey, hey. It's, it's wide and it's full and I'm enjoying it. One sec, I'm finding the questions that I can post to Courtney that I have on my phone so she can't see them. I'm so nervous. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. <laughs> Whatever you say is. can be edited after the fact. Okay. And if you're like, I'm deeply uncomfortable, we will stop. Okay. Consent yeah. is key in sober sex. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Based on the lighting scheme, it also looks like we're in different rooms. <laughs> right. It looks like you're in a fucking sex dungeon that also has a washing machine. <laughs> Courtney's wrapping herself in a scarf. God help me if I have sin. <laughs> so, hi, and welcome to Sober Sex. With us today is Courtney Wittich, formerly of C. Wittich Media. Now of being a liberated queen of vision, creativity, adventures, and generally a good life. Courtney is a dream guest because I feel like we talk about her often and we are ecstatic to introduce one of our very favorite people to you, dear sober sexters. Welcome, Courtney, to the show. (laughs) Yay. Thanks for being here. So fucking happy to see you guys. What are you up to? You're both in the same room. I'm not jealous at all, by the way. (laughs) <laughs> I feel like Rose is lying. That's fine. Yeah, voila. <laughs> um, tell me what, how are you, Courtney? I'm good. It's been a crazy past six weeks. Yeah. I decided that my career and company weren't exactly feeling in the trajectory of growth and fulfillment that I once was experiencing. So I decided to close it and have a long vacation in Europe and see some people and schedule in time that I wasn't able to do before. So this is, um, yeah, I think this is week six. I've got a wedding, which is kind of like the end of the adventure adventure. And then, uh, a bit more time in Paris to see you, Rose, yes. and some other people. And then I'm going to head back to the States and figure out what is happening. Woo! Oh my God, that's fucking huge. How did you come to make that decision? Like what led you on that trajectory well, of decision making? You know, it's been a weird couple of years, especially just like 
I don't know, all, all forms of life. It's just been like, it's very push pull. And I think, you know, big shout to my artist way community and Julia Cameron. Absolutely love her. And we have targeted questions around Julia Cameron later. <laughs> Perfect. That I can answer. Um, but I feel like I kind of knew that there was beginning to be a sense of, um, cognitive dissonance between what I was doing and what I wanted to do and Mm. then it just got heightened and I think I did a a pretty big creative u-turn at one point um and now I'm here so we've been u-turning in life but we're back incredible absolutely amazing I don't really know I know that Lou knows um and you guys have worked together but what were you doing like what is it that you've u-turned out of exactly so I was doing fashion PR and public mm-hmm. relations. What does that even mean? I've learned no idea. It's one of those jobs that I didn't know what it was until I literally walked into the first office that I worked in. And right. I was like, I don't know anything about what's going on here, but I'm ready to like throw down and work really hard and figure it out. But right. basically like what I was doing was working with like younger designers to try to kind of like give them the skills that they needed to be impactful in the larger fashion community, especially with like their communication. And if they were doing runway shows or presentations, and if they were like working with influencers and influencer marketing and how they were pretty much showing up in the world, which became the digital space over the last few years. So you were doing that prior to like a big digital thing happening in the world. Yeah. But it changed definitely like with COVID, it pivoted way more to like this social media language than, than in the past. And um, so that's a very maternal role in a way, isn't it? Like a mom. (laughs) I'm the, um, the momager. (laughs) And when you say like dissonance, like what, what felt dissonant kind of how can you describe what that like sensation was when you're like, I don't know if this is, if this is it. There's a lot of different things, but I mean, like, generally just feeling valued and appreciated in the, in the grander role of what was going on, especially like in fashion, I feel like it kind of got to a point where it feels like a lot of waste and a lot of like gifting is going out to influencers who either never use it or, you know, give it to their assistants or sell it online. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a lot of things being kind of like sent around, maybe not asked for and just contributing to like waste culture, but then also like this clout chasing that I just have found to be like hitting kind of dead ends in my life. So what Louise was just asking about the dissonance, but then what about the cloud chasing made you feel so sort of like, ew. I mean, you know, it's like a classic example is Paris Fashion Week. I don't think anyone feels better after having gone to like one of those fashion weeks because you're going to see on Instagram that you weren't invited to a party or a dinner. Someone that you were trying to meet up with won't meet up with you and they're in town and like it's not personal, but it does feel personal. And, you know, like personal and press relations, like that's kind of the name of the game for like the job that I was doing. So it hurts. And it wasn't even so much me, but I feel like there was like this greater feeling of everyone being like, it it wasn't, nothing is ever enough. Right. 
whatever kind of like goal benchmark thing that you get, then the next day or the next hour, you're like, well, what can we do next? And like, I how can it. we push it further? And like that feeling just started getting old. Yeah. And I also, I remember you saying that like, it felt like there were a lot of kind of fair weather friendships as a result of like you having stuff that people wanted. Yeah. And, then, and like, that's a gross feeling. Also, I mean, like mm-hmm. being transactional in, in this industry is like totally alive and well. And in a way that can be really confusing, but you know, people will start to buddy up to you and kind of like try to keep count of mo- almost like the favors. It's like very favor economy. Like, do oh, I God. owe them a favor? Do they owe me a favor? Like who's like that? Can I stra- scratch for this? And it just felt like, I don't know, starting to go maybe not like against my principles, but it wasn't feeling good with them. Right. And basically like nothing big happened like it was going really well and I was having fun with a lot of the clients that I had but then I just had this one weekend where I kind of told myself think about it differently and like just imagine like you don't have this job anymore and and imagine that like the life that you're currently having is is not the life that you have but like be really present with how you feel right now on this like holiday weekend and Mm -hmm. like the relief that I felt was so strong that I just thought I don't think I can do this in the same way anymore because it's not filling the whale well like it used to Mm. so although it's interesting because I do think that like there are people in in similar or the same industry who are also seem to be like riding that wave really gracefully and and like feeling like it's not uh disingenuous like that it's actually like kind of a a very I don't know like it it kind of switches them on in a way that is is magnificent like our friend Kevin hopefully a future sober sexter (laughs) guest will will uh comes to mind but like I so admire you being like yeah this is a fucking cool job but like that doesn't mean it makes me happy so I I am gracefully bowing out yeah and like you know, the same things that I used to really love about it are also now the things that I'm like, I just don't care so much for or about anymore. So in the beginning, when I would have these, like, you know, they were hits of like joy, adrenaline, whatever, you know, like some crazy celebrity would wear clothes from one of your brands or someone would mention you on Instagram and someone would see you at a show and be really excited to like personally get to know you. Like that felt really good for a long time. And then it just, doesn't anymore so and taking that and like not trying to push it I think like not trying to like keep it alive in the idea that it will get better if you just keep working harder because my Mm. natural like default persona is like just keep going if it's like bad or sad or uncomfortable like doesn't really matter like ignore it just like keep going until like it changes. And I think that can be really harmful to like the inner monologue and psyche that like, sometimes you don't like things and sometimes you change and you are allowed to grow out of the box. So why not? So important. An important question that we skipped over because I was just very interested in catching up with you and seeing what's going on. But what are your preferred pronouns today, Courtney? She, her. And And. (laughs) what's your experience of gender today? What is my experience <laughs> with gender today? Oh, the first time we've asked this in real time and you're to see your eyes widen at the prospect of being able to explore this with us is a, a delight. Yeah, I was about to like say, what are people, 
what have people talked about in the past? Like where, what are some narratives that we are walking down together with this question? That's Great a question in itself. Yeah. I love, love that you just question. fucking flip switched on that. I'm totally not ready. Um, we, can around, we can go around the room and answer. Yeah. Um, personally, um, I can't really previously, because I have no brain anymore, remember anything that any other guests have said about this question. <laughs> but um, I feel like my experience with gender today is unknown it's just like it's all questioning and I love it and I love that it's even a question that I get to ask myself and um, I was thinking about it earlier especially in terms of my couple like I feel like we gender reverse in our couple quite a lot and it feels really um like a fun way to get out of you should be fucking doing this because you're the bloke kind of shit and also to allow my husband into like the parenting model in a more female defined kind of way as well and so um I like to keep things fluid although I don't change my pronouns based on that so I'll pass over to Luna hmm yeah it's weird I've, I've been kind of confronted especially like going between like and acknowledging that we took several weeks off sorry listeners <laughs> it became unmanageable we are unmanageable we apologize but I took several weeks off uh, to be on tour, as Courtney knows, because she let me stay in her home. Oh, <laughs> um, and then you, <laughs> and then going back and forth between like the middle of nowhere, where I'm not really ex- like, I'm there's no one around, <laughs> and like highly uh, kind of visible cities like New York and Los Angeles, and feeling like. Um, because I've been out in the countryside and this is like a new lifestyle on one hand, it feels much healthier, like on the day-to-day basis to not be kind of like confronted or concerned with my own image and how that relates to like, for me, like sex appeal or the male gaze or how I'm presenting. And then also like to go into those environments and feel really like kind of crazy around them because like Mm -hmm. suddenly this thing I almost like had become invisible to me is now like in my face and I feel Um, kind of assaulted by the idea of needing to perform feminine sexuality in order to be in order to feel seen or desired and that's kind of like a trip (laughs) that I'm not very much enjoying Um, and so I, I don't know I'm trying to like divorce my experience of my own like body and self image from the idea that I need to be different than I am and it's fucking uncomfortable. So I don't know. My experience of gender today is uncomfortable because like I see how deeply I want to be like, I see how deeply I've been trained to like perform for the male gaze <laughs> and like that. And, and also I, I've been misgendered a lot recently, like probably like once a week for the past like two months. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm like not into it or into it. I'm feel kind of neutral around it, but it's been interesting to be like, huh, like what, what vibe am I got giving off that you make makes me call me sir? <laughs> you know, so I don't know. It's been it's been weird, like especially because we ask this question kind of regularly to like be like, huh, what is that today? Hmm. You know? Yeah, my experience of gender today is like it's been really eye opening to be traveling and traveling in a way that you're seeing in different parts of the world, like where 
people's rights are, especially if they are born of a certain gender or anatomy. And I think that that has been bringing a lot of questions up, like what does it mean to be a certain gender? But at the same time, can you give an example? Yeah. I mean, you know, I was in, I was in Egypt and it's just like, Mm. you can tell so quickly that women are so undervalued as like people Mm. in the community and like what their rights really are. And like, generally it's like, you know, don't be seen, don't be heard. And then it's like, why should that still kind of be like going on today? And then also like, where does that allow men to act um, or not act in certain situations? But yeah, I don't know. Like it's been, it's been interesting because it was in Egypt and then kind of like I've moved my way around Europe, um, Greece and Italy and now France again. And like, there are things in every country that you're just kind of like, huh, like, I don't know if I've experienced it like that before. I haven't thought about maybe questioning what's going on. Um, But another thing is I've been traveling with um, a friend who's a woman and identifies as such, and she's single and I am not, I'm like pretty secure in my relationship right now. And it's like the way that I don't peacock myself, like for men in other like parts of the world and like do things to attract wanted or unwanted male attention. It's like the, I don't know how to explain this, but basically I'm, I'm feeling very comfortable in myself and my body right now, which is something that I don't normally feel all the time. And it's, I don't know like it's really nice like I feel comforted by it um but I don't know how to explain it yet so I'll think about it oh that's such a thoughtful answer yeah it's lovely it's really lovely to reflect on that um you want to go no you go I was gonna say so you you just mentioned you've been traveling and, and that you've had kind of a whirlwind couple of months um, what have some of the highlights of your adventures been and what have some of the struggles been? <laughs> <laughs> name names, just kidding. Um, okay, so the highlights, starting with the highlights. Um, I got to see the pyramids uh, and that is such an amazing thing that I kind of, in a way, like, I don't know, just never thought I would actually do it. And it's crazy when you're standing next to these huge blocks of rock that humans did this um so that was really wild and like being just kind of like overnightly transported into that environment it's like you leave New York City where like you know went to Dime Square like went to a meeting like hung out with friends and then like saw all like the normal New York things when I was like bam like you're in North (laughs) Africa and like here we go and it was really cool but um You know, it's just been like taking time to be like slow with myself. Like I've been writing a lot of postcards. I've been writing just things. And like I got to spend some time with Logan, my partner, kind of decompressing from family time. But it was really nice. Um, And we, we really, I think, needed like just like alone time. And then the adventure of being in a new place with this person that I didn't really know before I started traveling with her. Um, You know, traveling is like you can go like we were in Rome and it's like around every single corner, there's like churches and museums and like the most beautiful art you've ever seen in your life. But then also 
you can have crazy things happen to you. Like, for example, I had been sweating so much in Rome and wearing a thong and I got a butt rash. Oh, that was <laughs> so crazy. And I had so much shame about it that I didn't want to do anything. I was just oh. like, oh, I'm sweating. My ass is chafing. So like, here I am. I let it go on for like eight days before I did anything like seriously. Like I went to like the pharmacy and got, you know, like baby powder and cream. And I was like, Oh, it's like a diaper rash. And then they're like, Oh, you probably need something stronger than that. But I like was willing to let myself get to the brink of so uncomfortable that I want to go home just because I don't want to show the pharmacist my chafed ass. Um, I have so but, much like I relate and it's, 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 it's so sweet. Thank you for sharing that with us. It's like so silly too. It's like, that's the thing that's going to like take you out and like ship you back to America. Butt rash. Butt rash. But, um, Butt yeah, rash. Real. get a cream, go to the doctor, get Struggle. checked out. But it's hard know. going to the doctor though, isn't it? I feel like it's harder going to the doctor about the smaller things than it is about the big things. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like you think that it's going to get better. You think that it's not yeah. that much of a problem. And I don't know. I guess that's how like being accountable and like taking action can really be helpful in your life. But yeah, being embarrassed too, it's real. Totally. Right. And like self-care is like really nice when it includes like massages and like chill time. But if self-care actually looks like fucking taking care of my health, I definitely don't want it. <laughs> Rose had to make like every doctor's appointment of mine for the first like five years we knew each other. Otherwise, I just like would not have gone to the doctor. And Rose is like, I'll do it. I'm like, oh, thank you, Rose, for taking care of I mean, me. Oh, my God. Mikey's the same. And I get it. I was just in America and I was like so upset by seeing what was happening and so how many sick people were on the street like of the older population and not being able to sort of like unsee that once you've seen it and then thinking like this is why Louise like this is how this factors into Louisa and Mikey not going to the doctor like this is where because like you just can't you can't afford to so the a headspace you get into which is just like health dangerous run a thousand miles eat electrolytes and <laughs> whatever this is, <laughs> this is how you like outrun our health system essentially like I understand like but it impacts on so many levels now so it's weird when the system fucking works and then you're like well I can just go to the doctor or the pharmacist and they'll fucking help like that's mental yeah, yeah. even in France I had such a big aversion to doing the small things it doesn't go away when you change countries no you've been raised with it yeah (laughs) it doesn't they're just not very warm and fuzzy here with it they're just like why didn't you come earlier and he was like "Ah, but i'm here now be nice don't yell at me and they're like we don't understand you and you're like american accented french i'm like i'm sorry i'm sorry for my living it's like get my teeth cleaned (laughs) just make them white (laughs) that's all we have to do Mate, I love, th- thank you for sharing that. I really, um, I'm really, I'm actually really touched on that. Um, and were there any other struggles along your journey, in your trip? I'm realizing on this trip that I am pretty content most of the time mm. and I'm pretty optimistic. Like even in, you know, the two hour line to wait for pizza or whatever you know tiktok has blown up recently um or eat pray love in this case rather uh, wow <laughs> but you know like the small things of like it's hot you know classic halt but 
hot being the silent age. So yeah. hot, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, and hot. <laughs> and it's true. It's like, you know, the heat, whatever, like for the most part, I can deal with it. Hungry, when I'm not with Logan, who I think is my safe space, and he'll get the, the wrath of hanger more mm. than anyone else. I can forget about hunger and hunger. Mm. Um, lonely and tired. I don't know. I guess I can like self-soothe a little bit uh, on these trips and like think how being there is, is, you know, what I've chosen and, and what I've wanted to do. So if I'm feeling lonely, lang- <laughs> if I'm feeling lonely, like usually like the, the thing to do next is pick up the phone. And if I'm feeling tired, it's like lie down and do a meditation. Like there are mm-hmm. tools that I have for that. Oh, but, wow. you know, people have personalities and things go wrong. Thing, things always go wrong when you travel. So it's just like, I think the emphasis now is choosing who I'm spending time with and choosing who I'm being with on these trips and not allowing, you know, a crazy maker to take over including the one that lives in one's own head. Um, <laughs> shortney. 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 You little fucker. Shortney for short. Shortney. Shortney Quidditch. Uh, <laughs> so, I, I, and here's a direct quote that is, you just provided as a beautiful segue for it. I often think about your attitude when I'm struggling because I've never seen anyone roll with punches, punches quite so gracefully as yourself. To what you attribute your general amazing vibe. <laughs> um, I just want to give an example here. Once I bumped on into Courtney on a fucking metro where there were like bombs going off in Paris, they were like exploding tear stuff. And Courtney was like the most relaxed person that I've ever seen. I felt like I was just like sweating and having a panic attack. Courtney was like, oh, let's go. We'll just get off from the next stop. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, we literally just walked through tear gush, gush shit. I remember even think I called Louisa and I was like, I think there's something seriously wrong with me because I've just been with someone very relaxed in a very stressful situation. I think it's Louisa, like, off with me. And Louisa was just like, no, Courtney's just fucking chill. That's <laughs> That's crazy. Crazy. Oh, and even, even if you, like, call struggling and you're like, I'm not having a thing, but, like, I'm sure it'll be okay. And, like, normally when people do that, I'm like, I don't know, I think you might be full of shit, like... <laughs> let's feel our feelings dude but for you I'm like I think Courtney will be okay <laughs> yeah yeah um, so yeah. what are some of the um, practices that you kind of attribute to that kind of active serenity because like you know it's one thing to be like serene serene when she's going my way you know but it's another thing to be serene when like there's actively bombs going off or tear gas or whatever the fuck is happening you know I mean some of it I have to say, like, I think like I have this disposition that when things get really chaotic, like I slow down or like, I don't get caught up in the mania. Like this was a work thing too. Like when things would get really, really crazy, like I would just somehow like come closer to center. I'm like, Oh, this is fine. Like everything, everything's constantly happening and it's like, whatever. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know. I think, yeah, part of it is like definitely just something that I think maybe is like in my adrenal system. Um, So thanks body for that one. But like, also we just asked you like, how do you, you, and you're like, well, I think it's jeans, maybe. 
<laughs> it's everything. <laughs> but like, you know, remember when my Paris apartment like blew up? You remember this? No, you didn't talk about it because you weren't that bothered. It like it was just like <laughs> one of these things that like okay, so I lived on the second floor. <laughs> I lived on the second floor. It's like April or something. Molly just reminded me of this the other day. So um Hi Molly. Hi Molly. It's like April. Molly. It had snowed the week before. I'm on the second floor, the sixth floor of my apartment, the top floor. Someone left the heater on and it blew up. So it blew up like oh whole apartment building or like the top floor I don't know but basically like the pompier came and like they told everyone to leave and I was just like okay like what do I need right now like to get out of my home like well I need to get dressed so that's a good start uh I'll put my contacts in I'll grab my like laptop and wallet and passport and I'll go and that was it and it was just like the weirdest thing I just like turned into this robot who was like okay like this is what's happening this morning at 4 a.m like see you guys later and it was just like what are you gonna do about it were you sober yet yeah and then I went to a meeting (laughs) I went to the 8 a.m that morning and people were like what the fuck like you just left like you didn't wait for like the neighborhood council person to tell you what to do and what time the police were gonna open the building so you could get your stuff I was like I've never been here when this has happened and I don't know anything. And they were like, you have to call assurance. You have to do all these things. I'm like, Meh. no one told me it was 5am. Like I had a coffee and I went to the meeting. Like that's the only <laughs> thing I know how to do. And that was a saga. That was like a whole thing. But I mean, like, it's like, what is having a bad attitude going to do for me in that like mindset like in that situation like most of the time I feel that like when someone is struggling and having a bad time and they lash out on someone else it's like that was avoidable and like what's the point what's the point of being mean I really don't like it when people are rude or mean for no reason well like what a good answer though because I do think that's very true but rarely do I pause to consider that like when I'm anxious about missing a gig because my flight's delayed and it's like your shitty attitude won't help anybody here and yet I feel very compelled (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, I'm definitely not perfect. Like, I do it sometimes. But it's just, like, I feel like it bothers me more when I see other people becoming more irritable because Mm. things are not going their way. Um, So I guess that's just, like, that's part of it. And then, like, tools for it. It's like, yeah, try to – it's, like, love and tolerance in all of our affairs. Living it. Yes. Living it. Hold on. Living oh. it. I'm fucking very inspired by that. And I think it's really, it's really magical. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> yeah. And it was also wicked to see it in action and just be like, it's incredible. <laughs> Courtney the unicorn, at it again. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so we're going to pivot now rather violently sorry about that to the sober sex anchor question which is what are some of the say that again what are some of the first messages you received around sex and sexuality oh yeah violent pivot um (laughs) yeah sex and sexuality uh a direct message that I got from my dad was you're not allowed to have sex until you're 18 like point blank uh that didn't work sorry dad (laughs) 
that didn't work. And it, I think, really just made me, I was like, what? Do you think he expected it to? I think he did. (laughs) I think I was still his possession at that point, being an underage, like, whatever, teenager in in his mind. But I'm like, wrong. No. Um, But yeah, like, if you were, you know, (laughs) if you have sex, you're going to (laughs) die. Like, mean girls. Um, no, not really. (laughs) (laughs) I look deeply alarmed. (laughs) No, but I mean, I think it definitely was like demonized from a young, young age. It's like the people that were, you know, crazy enough to have sex in, you know, middle school or high school. (laughs) It. uh, Okay, pause. We're going to re-go. Yeah. People who are crazy enough to be fucking. <laughs> People who were, who were crazy enough to be having sex in high school, like they didn't care about their lives. They didn't care what happened to them. Like there was something wrong with them more or less. So whatever that did to me, I mean, I was boy crazy from when I can remember. So when I was younger, I remember having like these crazy crushes on boys and like, thinking to myself, like, I would do anything to change myself to, like, have this crush, like, become real, like, to become Mm. a relationship. And I think that that was, I don't know where that came from, but that was happening from, like, kindergarten, first grade. I remember I hit a kid uh, in kindergarten (laughs) with, like, a, you know, shoveling tool because I had a crush on him and I didn't know how to talk to him. And I would like violence is the answer. Yeah, you know, like I I remember being really young and probably like probably in like third or fourth grade, like girls were starting to have like boyfriends, right? Starting to have these like hand holding things, and that wasn't happening for me. Like I had glasses, I had braces, I was lanky and awkward. So I remember being so upset with the idea of maybe I'll turn 16, 17, 18 and not be pretty enough and boys won't like me and just praying that like I would be likable. So like, is that tied into the ism? Could be for sure. But, um, and then I, when I got into like later middle school, high school and realized that boys did think that I was pretty and they did like me and I could have boyfriends it was game over. Like I, I found the ones that I wanted to be with and like, that was it. There was no other option. It was going to be, I'm going to change myself. So you like me or something's going to happen. So eventually like you want to be with me, but it's going to happen. So that was, yeah, that was like early. And then I remember, you know, also just like sex in America too. Like I lived, I was mostly growing up in Florida and I would go to New York for the summertime. And when I started being sexually active around 14 or 15, like I remember when I turned 16 and had a car and was able to drive. And even before that, I would go to Planned Parenthood, get birth control. And I always had enough money in my bank account for an abortion if I accidentally got pregnant. No one told me to do that. Like, that was just like, it was like, if I'm going to have sex, like that's, that's what's going to make me feel okay. Wow. I mean, I'm very impressed by that actually, because that's extraordinary. You put money aside. 
just in case. I can't fucking get my head around that. That's incredible. I think it's kind of sad. I think it's like I was so scared of the repercussions, which would be like teen pregnancy, that I wouldn't be able to tell anyone that I had to do Mm. it myself. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that is fucking sad. At the same time, this idea of like, this is how I self-preserve. Like, I didn't get on birth control until I had to have an abortion, <laughs> like at age oh, 31 yeah. or something. Like, yeah. just because I was like, I, I was personally very anxious about it, like hormonally fucking me up or like making me gain weight because of the fucking like, you know, food and body stuff I have carried with me most of my life. Um, but I'll say also, like, I think there's a lot of undereducation for young people when it does come to hormones and it's like maybe you don't understand what that's totally doing to your body and had mm. I known more about it then of what I know now you know I, hopefully I would just be more <laughs> self-preserving in the way of telling my partners to like fucking put on a condom or, and like right. don't be a little bitch yeah <laughs> 100% condom fucking making dudes wear condoms or anyone to wear a condom it's just is a horrible task. It's like ripping people's toenails out. It's like it's the really? worst. Is it that bad? Yeah. It was. For, I always thought of it as like, if I say that, they won't have sex with me, so I won't say it. Mm. And the way I feel good about myself is if we have sex. So I just better not say it, you know. And I feel so sad for that little person, you know, because it's like absolutely not the case, you know. Oh my god! I remember like hearing the Sonia Renee Taylor interview. She wrote that book, "The Body Is Not an Apology," and thinking mm-hmm. about like how many times I've apologized for like my body or my needs, especially mm-hmm. around sex. Uh, but that's like, oh, that's so fucking heavy. So, when did you discover <laughs> drugs and alcohol? What happened? <laughs> we love a pivot. 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 Uh, drugs and alcohol. Um, I first really drank probably mm, 13 13 14 but the thing that really like the first drunk that I really remember is um I was dating a boy uh and we were starting high school in like the next week and I had just been gone in New York for the summer and he was going to a different high school than I was and we were breaking up so I kind of knew it was coming and he eventually was like, oh, you know, like the world's really big. Like I'm going to be at this new high school and there's a lot of girls and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, all right, all right. Like just break up with me already. Like let's get this out of out of the way. Did you want to be with him or were you like? Mm, I think it was more just like the fun of having a boyfriend. Mm. I didn't really care so much. <laughs> um, and the only like way that I, it made sense to me to grieve this was to drink over it. So... I got a Voss water bottle, like one of the big, like one liter ones, filled it halfway with vodka, a quarter with triple sec and a quarter with orange juice and drank the whole thing. And then on AIM or like, you know, (laughs) chat that night was slurring my typing to people like on purpose. So they would be like, are you okay? And be like, I've been drinking over this like breakup. Eighth grade, baby. <laughs> it's like, what? Oh, like, no. <laughs> so I think in, in a lot of ways, like my, my drinking and, and drugs were always like tied to relationships. Um, it was the best of times and the worst of times. And then, yeah, 
that was like 13, 14, and it, it just kept going. Um, I got into drugs because my boyfriend and best friend at the time were doing drugs, and I thought that that was totally like normal. And then I realized way after it wasn't that normal, but it was very much like the circles of influence again. Like, who are you close with? Like, are you doing the same things that your like boyfriends are doing? Mm. And what are you kind of like allowing to be close to you too? So. Yeah, smoking Roxy's in 10th grade at school, nodding off in the library, like really going in on like the opioid epidemic of America at the time. Yes. Oh my goodness. I mean, I had like, I, I've heard parts of your story, but I don't recall that part. And like, whenever you're like, I don't think I'm an alcoholic, I'll be like, Courtney, let me remind you, we have this audio evidence. Um, okay, so then like, how'd you eventually find... Uh, sobriety I found sobriety um I moved to Paris because I wanted to get out of the U.S. uh out of English-speaking countries so I could be you know more discreet I thought in my drinking and using (laughs) (laughs) go to the land of beer and wine and see if that could work out for me (laughs) and um I moved to France and I started working and I started working in fashion and everyone was drinking and everyone was doing drugs and it was fine if you were hung over the next day as long as you came, as long as you showed yeah. up. And I was like, perfect. That's like, my I can jam. do that. That's my thing. Like I can show yeah. up. Like I will probably be like hurting, but like I'll be there. Um, and then eventually like it just got really bad and my world got really small and I had a bottom experience where I was sexually assaulted and like I didn't want to feel like that ever again but I also finally realized because of the things that my friends and family were saying that it was affecting not just me and it was affecting Mm -hmm. other people too. I got sober to get everyone off of my back and I got sober for other people first which in the end didn't work um, Mm -hmm. and I didn't stay sober for that. But once I did kind of like have my experiments in sobriety with drinking and drugs again, I realized that I was much happier without them. And I didn't want to keep repeating those behaviors in my life. It's interesting, like, just to kind of reflect, you know, on this idea of starting drinking and using, because I think we can, a lot of us can relate to that idea of like, if in order to appear cool, in order to have attention and not feel left out, in order to like keep up and then numb out, like a lot of the times that's necessary. Like that's kind of where the seed of alcoholism is planted outside of like genetics and trauma, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then like, I think it sounds like from your story and I think for a lot of us, I mean, <laughs> reflecting personally, maybe not me, <laughs> but um, for a lot of us that like recovery is actually the first choice we can make for ourselves or even if we don't make it for ourselves, the only way it can stick is if, if it's for us first and not for anybody else, that it's like, it's really quite an independent declaration, like, especially coming from a background of a lot of like people pleasing and kind of like trying to fit in desperately. Yeah. Rose, what's your, what's your experience? I was just reflecting on that and just wanted to thank you for sharing that part of your story. And I relate so hard. Like I didn't get sober for myself. I just got so, because I had no essentially self-esteem at that point. And I just didn't want these people who love me to be cross with me and go away. So I was like, I'll do this thing. 
and also stopped essentially the biggest shock was because I got sexually assaulted in the in the blackout and um and and then still going back to the bar where those people were because I wanted I just so desperately wanted to like fit in and have drugs and and drink and keep going and like that being my realization point of I can't stop the thing that's hurting me mm. and and I will walk knowingly back into that and um but not having any other tools apart from defeat essentially and also sort of like being weirdly grateful for that moment as well even though it fucking sucked that mm. I got through it relatively unscathed a lot of fucking money and therapy <laughs> and a lot of hours spending cheering off people people's ears but that we get to have this life because of like of hurting oneself so thank you for sharing that and, and it just brought up a lot for me hearing that I mean it's like the identity thing right like I totally mm. prided myself on being the party girl the girl that could drink as much as the boys like the person that was gonna go home last the most yeah. fun and I think that that was the hardest thing at 24 to kind of break away from and say you know I have no idea what this life is going to look like not doing this and that's Mm -hmm. really scary and I don't know I don't know how I'm gonna like you know still have my personality without that because I I thought that I mean at that point drinking was my personality um Mm -hmm. but it wasn't fun and then I finally realized that when I wasn't drinking anymore and saw like usually when other people were damaging you know, our relationship, like what that looked like. And then, yeah, same for, for sexual assault. It's like, it's a terrible thing. And the first thought that I had after was it's my fault. I chose to drink. It doesn't matter what happened because I, I was drunk and like, that was my choice. And then having some time being sober and and seeing how different that narrative is when you are not insane anymore yeah it's crazy isn't it I just remember after that happening just going into work like it was 6 a.m and I took my body home and I was like sleep there and then she ended up sleeping with the person I was dating (laughs) like it was very fucking when I went into work and was just like carry on like this is fine and I'd been spiked with heroin I was just like but for years even recovery I was like that's what you get if you do too many drugs and drink, you know, you like control your body, like that's what's going to happen. You're a slut. And like, that's what sluts do. And that's what happens to sluts. And it's like, I didn't know I could get like a tote bag with like slut on now and just be like, yay, I'm a slut. Fuck you. Woo. <laughs> also, and, yeah. The gift you know, of having sponsees come to us with that shit and be able to like have space and be like, it's not your fault. And I love you so much. And like me yeah. too, all that stuff. I think it's like, I don't know another system that gives with so much kind of clarity and generosity, like that opportunity to like mm. hold ourselves with the compassion that we, we hold the the people that we get to help, you know? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> level. I'm so glad we're all alive to tell the tale. It's very hot here. I'm fucking melting. Sorry. It's hot in here you too. Can... And I'm all like, it? about to cry this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Same. Likewise. I'm like hot. I'm sweating. And also, I'm welled up. I'm very damp. My eyes are all there is. <laughs> and uncomfortable. It's good. It always happens though when I'm like with you too. I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh Courtney. That's really special. I mean, I hope it's because you feel safe 
and not because you feel pushed. <laughs> I feel very safe. Very okay. <laughs> okay. I love you. If t- oh my I'll God. get the toilet paper. Hold this. <laughs> I have it exclusively for some No, people. no dampening tears. Tears must come out. Oh, yeah, really yeah, yeah. But then, then your face is wet. We laughed oh, yeah. and cried. Yeah. We still oh, like here at Sober Sex. Here you go. <laughs> I think we should get Sober Sex toilet paper. That's a great merch idea. <laughs> it's so fun. We're in your handwriting. I think it would just be really fun. <laughs> printed um and we can send them to guests like little pack of tissues our issues are in our tissues <laughs> wetness in all its forms yes indeed <laughs> so how did your recovery affect your romantic or sexual relations Ooh, good one mm. i love you so much <sighs> <laughs> do you feel loved yeah okay good <laughs> Um, my romantic and sexual relationships changed so much in sobriety. Um, I think the biggest is like being able to be loved and all of its like (laughs) in all of its ways, um, which is so scary, Mm. scary, scary. Hold on. Using the sober sex tissues, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so you know, this is what happens. You don't cry for for a while because you're having too much fun on vacation, and then and then just enter this weird house and with then me. I'm in the gnome house crying. <laughs> okay, so beautiful. That's beautiful. I sharing it. I think sobriety gave me the ability to live in honesty and be honest with myself and what I want and what I need and what I want and need out of a partner. I was chasing an infatuation before getting sober for a long time. And he is now my partner in sobriety. We are both sober. We are able to show up for each other in an honest way that feels good. We live together. He... You know, like, Rose, you were talking about, you know, switching gender roles kind of, like, in the house and having these, like, things that we kind of, like, you know, we do with our, our partners and, and we have that. And I, it made me miss him. But um, we were not always good to each other. We had a lot of time in, in pre-sobriety of this, like, weird like I really like you but we're really young and we live in different places and I don't want to hurt you but at the same time I don't really want to be honest with you because acknowledging the way that I feel about you is way too vulnerable like absolutely not so a lot of it got like shoved to the side and like buried down and it it came out sideways for sure um especially like towards the end of my drinking and using um but in sobriety I think we started like really dating monogamously in sobriety I think in the summer like six months after we both like got sober and it's been honestly nothing but but magic and a miracle and like so fun like he's my best friend um he was with me in Egypt and Greece and we got to just go around and we have so many things in common and it's like so amazing to me that I'm just like, 
how did I find this person? And then ironically enough, the same person, i.e. my dad, who told me that I'm not allowed to have sex before I turn 18, kind of linked me with Logan. Like it's kind oh, of well, because of Logan. I want to know how. <laughs> Basically, my dad wanted to do like a business thing with Logan's dad. And Logan and I met when we were 16 years old. And Stop it. He lived in San Diego. I lived in Florida. We became friends on Facebook. And then... Oh, God you know, had these like weird teen, like runaway conversations about like becoming super granola and like having dreadlocks before that was like really a bad thing and culturally appropriating. It was like kind of still like you could be like a dirty hippie kind of vibe and getting a school bus and going to like, you know, Mexico and Alaska, living in a bus, not subscribing to a corporate job and blah, blah, blah. And we haven't done that yet but I think it's definitely still in the, in the cards um oh God. shout to Lily I'm like <laughs> yeah a little so let's use your car um, yeah. no. um but he he eventually like we we met back up like later in our young adulthood and and we just kind of like I remember seeing him again being like you're just a babe and I want that <laughs> and you're like kind of a bad boy and like every red siren is going off in my body, but like, I want it. <laughs> it feels so good. Into it. Yeah. And now <laughs> I I'm love like, that. you know, so funny because he's just like, so caring, so gentle, like so calm. Like I, we have not had like a fight. Like we've never yelled at each other because when I get agitated and restless, irritable, discontent, he does not take the bait when I'm like, oh yeah, you really feel like that? Just like be silent, like kind of like walk away, like come back and God, how annoying! I'm gonna kill you. Uh, yeah, like, it worked. How'd you it's do so that? It's so good. I'm it's like, so good when you're different in conflict, isn't it? Like you don't meet each other in that same place. I'm just like, like I, I hate that you're walking away and doing the responsible thing, but I know this is gonna save us. Like, I'm combative. Like I want to fight yeah. sometimes, and yeah. I know that about myself. But he just, yeah. just don't fight. Never had like a big. I mean, we have disagreements. We're like yeah. normal people, but the screaming, yelling, passion side of things that I thought that relationships were built off for so long mm. we don't have that and I'm realizing that you don't have to have that to be in a healthy functioning relationship so like all those crazy jealous speaking of jealousy too like you know I've been gone for six weeks I think he left at like week two so we haven't seen each other in a month and he mm. doesn't question what I'm doing who I'm with where I am if I go out at night or not like it's not like I'm trying to possess you and make sure you're like still being faithful to me. It's just like, I'm so excited. You're in another country having this time for yourself. Go nuts. Have the most fun. If you're not having the most fun, you're doing something wrong. And I'm just like, that's a blessing wow, that's beautiful. to have that's a beautiful, that. beautiful thing. I need that. Or otherwise I feel cagey. And then that's when things, that's when I do weird self-destructive, like, you know, ruin relationship kind of stuff so nice to have that that is a very good if you ever want to become parents fyi that is like a really healthy base to bring a child into i've been but. seeing so many traveling moms on this trip. yeah so a mom who had a seven-year-old and a 14 month old just kind of like tied the baby to her back and they'd go on these adventures and then another one was like a six-month-old and i'm like 
I could do that. I could just like yeah. strap Bebe on, come to Paris and hang out with you guys. Like, yes, that's it. For sure. It's fun. It's really fun. But it's also like um, really interesting as well, especially if you have a partner who has got like a different temperament in combat to you because like you are really challenged because you're sleep deprived and you feel constantly mental. <laughs> and so it's really good when you have like, a fun playfulness together which is just like oh okay nothing's too serious like Mike and I are in a space now where it's just like nothing is everything just feels hilarious all the time and Madeline's in a fairly hilarious space like being a toddler and it's very upsy and fun and silly and um it's a really helpful way to kind of see a family dynamic and I certainly didn't grow up in that so I mean I grew up with a lot of playfulness for sure but there was so much combative like screaming at each other stuff like and and my hypervigilance definitely comes from just being like, why is the plate another smash thing or whatever? And just not doing that. I feel like we're going to fucking raise wicked kids because of that. Do you know what I mean? If indeed that's something you want. And I don't know. It strikes me as I like the fact that on this show, we get to have a container for kind of like different ways shit pans out in sobriety. Like last week we had, uh last week last episode we had Kate Marlena on who was talking about like having to walk through a divorce in sobriety with a couple kids because like the relationship could not tolerate recovery God. and like to have also like your guys's stories like Rose with with you and Mikey and with you and Logan and like this idea of of having a lot of different like paths to sober sex, you know, or how to be in a sober relationship. Like it does not have to look the same. And because I think it's often not described specifically, like in any of the literature, often in meetings, it would be like weird to talk about this, like roughly. So I'm very grateful that like you can come and feel safe to like share about your love. You know, that's a fucking beautiful thing. Do you have a, um, a working sex ideal that you're working with today? Sorry? Do you have a sex ideal that you're working with today? Mm. You don't yes. have to. <laughs> like, yes and no. I mean, like, of course, like, I've, I've made a sex ideal. Um, but it's, maybe I don't think about it in a daily way, which is something, yeah, and even, like, what you were just saying, like, of being able to come, like, talk about it. It's like, I feel like I have good training, right? It's like, I have my women's meetings and especially like meetings geared towards the topics of like sex and intimacy. So like, I think that's been helpful to like be comfortable talking about it. Cause I, I do agree. Like sometimes there's not so much space or prompt given to maybe verbalize it. Like maybe write it down one time and, and you're not really, you're not thinking about it often, but I mean, yeah, my sex ideal, I think right now is, is a feeling of, of creating spaces of intimacy, whether they are intercourse or not. Mm. I think just over like the past year, I don't know. I, I felt deeply unsexy for a while and I didn't really, I was having a hard time activating like what I find to be like the feminine and or sexy side of myself it was just kind of like I don't know what happened but it 
it left me for a while. So it was like, mm-hmm. how maybe can you do things that are like less about having sex? Because that started to feel like a bit of pressure to how can you create safe space with partner to do fun things, to make pasta, to watch a new movie, to do like, to talk about something that maybe like makes you a little bit uncomfortable and like mm-hmm. the space is more in between. And I think that, helped kind of like take the focus off of the result like Mm. you know fucking sometimes um and make more space for like having fun rediscovering each other yeah I didn't know pre pre pre-recovery that intimacy didn't mean penetration (laughs) it never got I feel like I missed that lesson somewhere I was just like penetration is intimacy like right And then you discover it's like not just that. It's mm-hmm. like going to the supermarket with each other and like singing along to the stupid song in the super. I don't know, like that can be intimacy too, you know. Aww. Yeah. Love that. Um so we know that you're, as mentioned, deeply into the artist way. <laughs> Julia Cameron, we stand. Green guest. Oh. Julia Cameron, you're welcome on Summer Sex in Town. <laughs> Uh, can you talk about this practice and what it means to you or how it's helped you grow? Yes. So I love the artist way. I love you, Julia Cameron. Um, <laughs> Assuming that she's listening. <laughs> she will. She'll hear this. Um, but I, I think, I mean, one of the craziest things for me is that I started doing morning pages before I got sober. I was trying to fix my life. Um, in other ways anyway but putting down the drink and I was reading a Tim Ferriss book also hi Tim hi Tim hi Tim hi Tim which book were you reading I just read a Tim Ferriss book and I loved it which one did you just read and um is that the one you were reading I think it was Tools of Titans oh Um, and a lot of people were talking about (laughs) you know having these morning practices like the whole book is kind of like the uh, morning and daily practices of tribe. Was it tribe of mentors? The no, one before, right? the one before that. Yeah. The tribe of mentors. I really like too. <laughs> Secretly. We're all infatuated with Tim Ferriss. Yeah. Not so secret anymore. No. What's up? Uh-huh. Tim Ferriss. So like even dream though- dinner, dinner, like Tim, Julia and us. Oh, I mean, and just David honestly, all the animals David and the walls. <laughs> I've told Logan, I'm like, if I could like join someone else's marriage ever, it's David Sedaris and his husband Hugh. So like, <laughs> just putting that one out there. And he's cool. Don't they have a French so. bulldog? Oh God, do they? No, no, I don't think so. Oh well, maybe they do now. Who knows? But maybe I made that up. Maybe it's John Mulaney. Anyway, he's sober. Was is uh, whatever. You can be on the show. Give me the you can be on the show. This question has turned into people that we want to join their marriage and the future guests. So let's go back to Julia Cameron. So what is the sober sex? So artist way, sober sex. Uh, go artist way. Um, you were okay. doing it before you got sober. Me too. Doing, by the way, I started doing morning pages before I got sober, and I did one of those things that, like, now I look back at it and I think is really funny. I googled morning pages and I only read the chapter on morning pages I did not read the intro that said like where Julia says that she's a recovering alcoholic and like doing I didn't 
I That's just only got morning pages. And I was like, okay, like this, this makes sense to me. And like, let's try this out. So of course, like the first thing that's coming up in my morning pages is like, I should probably not drink anymore. <laughs> or like, I wonder if I lost 10 pounds and ate salads for dinner, if I would still get blacked out. And the answer was always yes. So um, I was doing it before I got sober and probably started doing them six, seven years ago now. And I just loved them. It was like, it was an easy way to get all of like the, the chatter out. And it was something I didn't have to be perfect at. I like just had to write pages of stuff. And usually about like, I'm tired. I'm sore. Like I'm, I don't know. I'm in a bad mood today. I have a headache. I need to drink coffee. And that's usually still with the first like pages. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> but then it opens up into this really lovely space where I can like have just fun on paper and like have these like thoughts and like think about my life in a way that's not so self-centered and like see just like tiny changes in the people and the things around me I think like that's the biggest thing that it's done for me it's like you know today I went on a walk and I'm like oh two butterflies are playing with each other in the sky I'm like I'm gonna write that down later like that was fun yeah. we went on a forest walk and I'm like the light coming through the trees extraordinary magical so nice so that's how I started morning pages uh and then I didn't have the chance to kind of, I mean, I did some of the questions. I was reading some of the book when I got sober and then, you know, it was kind of like when you do it by yourself, there's maybe less accountability or I wasn't really ready for it yet. And then COVID, the year that COVID started, I texted a friend in LA saying that I was trying to find, I was, I restarted the book and I was trying to find like a group to maybe do it with. And my friend Adrian linked me with Ruby and I joined this group of six or seven people, mostly New York based, one kind of floating in London and then me in LA. And we started doing the book together and doing oh, it with a group though, like changed my life. Oh my God. I love that. So that was end of 2020 into early 2021. And I... I, at that point, I was already like taking a sabbatical from work and thinking maybe I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> and then I did Artist Way and then decided, you know what, I'm going to make my own company and like really like push hard into this. So that when I say a U-turn, like I think that's the U-turn. And I think most of my group looking back on it, they were surprised that that's what I was choosing to do at the end of this like 12 week program. Um, but hey, here I am and I'm, I'm learning and unlearning and all the things in between. What but week are you in at the moment? I'm in week 11 and I'm Ooh. now doing it with a group of women in Los Angeles, mostly, who are all sober. Oh, and so are you doing it online or are you doing it in person? We've been doing it on Zoom. So, oh, lush. you know, there's always fall off, like 10 people join and then six come and then maybe four end up actually doing it all. So that's okay. You just have to kind of yeah. know that, I think, going into it. But I actually recently heard about doing it one-on-one, -on -one, and I think that would be really interesting to do. Next. Oh, cute. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that might be my next move. But the book has done so many things for me and, like, 
you know, I, I've tried a lot of different art forms out and I'm still testing this idea of, of being comfortable with identifying as an artist. Mm. Um, my internal gut reaction is to gag when I say that out loud and I don't like to. So <laughs> working on that has been like mm. a big look internally and getting more comfortable with it. But that's been hard. Like that kind of like level of um, self-identity and esteem, I think has been in some ways like harder than, than sobriety. Hmm. So my love, what is next for you? What is next? Um, next is I go back to Paris tomorrow. And ah, with you. Ah, <laughs> you text me when you're ah, free. <laughs> and um, I... I'm going to round out this Europe trip and then I'm going to stop in New York on my way home to see my family and see grandma and then go back to LA. And I'm really excited. I'm excited to be, I'm excited to go surfing. Honestly, that's the thing that I'm most excited to do. Nice. I've not done that in like three months and I'm feeling it, but I think what's next is continuing being gentle uh, where I can with myself while I figure out this, you know, question of what do I want to do? And maybe not being so hard of finding what I want to do, but trying out a lot of different things and being more playful and experimental with it than hmm. my tendency is normally. Hmm. I love that. Guys, I'm going to have to bounce, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. It's been such a fucking joy to chat to you. Louisa is going to spin you through this lightning raid. <laughs> Morning. I'll see you. Love you. Love you, Rose. Talk to you soon. Bye, guys. Bye. See you later. Bye. Bye, bye, bye. So, I don't know how I leave and not close this, so I'm just going to leave it open. Leave it, leave it open. Okay. Uh, lightning round. Lightning round. Lightning round. So, Courtney, you are an accomplished cook. What's your favorite meal to make or to eat? Or both? Either or. Okay. Um, <laughs> lately, my favorite meal to eat is like a really good pasta. I had one the other day that was with lemon and zucchini and it was just so simple but so stunning yum need to learn how to make that and to to cook I haven't been cooking that much lately so I think I have some inspiration for what I want to try out in the kitchen after this trip but it's hard to cook when you're on the road yeah I'm proud of myself for my breakfast this morning yes Courtney made a delicious coconut yogurt seeds and and fresh peaches that's all I got right now <laughs> Living the life. You're an amazing gift giver. What is the best gift you've ever given or received? My soul. Um, the <laughs> best gift that I ever received was a neon sign making course from Logan. And I made a very beautiful flower that many people have told me looks like a vagina. It looks like a female reproductive system. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, whatever. So that's on my subconscious these days. But um, it was really fun and crazy to try something new like that fucking awesome um what is your favorite snack my favorite snack <laughs> my favorite snack is i don't know i like changing my snacks today today um well i really like oreos and that's like a great treat and after yesterday's conversation i kind of want to find some ginger cookies and roquefort cheese so <laughs> delicious delicious but cheese cheese and bread 
Can't go wrong. Unmissable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cannot cannot miss. Can't be vegan. Um, <laughs> clearly. Um, what turns you on? In in either that like sexually or creatively or kind of connects you to your vitality. Mm. Boundaries. <laughs> yes. And a strong sense of. I mean, like lately, honestly, like kind of being told what to do. I relate to that very much. <laughs> and like in a way where everyone gets to be very decisive and there's no room to be fickle. Very sexy. Yes. So authority, essentially. Authority in ways. <laughs> but like but not a good authority. <laughs> a cab. Uh, <laughs> Uh, as a frequent traveler what are some must-haves for you on the road a good suitcase i don't check bags any suggestions i have a small to me rolling suitcase that fits on every single airline's carry-on policy fantastic 10 out of 10 love you i need a new one soon so like to me if you hear this um (laughs) All of our like friends and sponsors, Julia Cameron, Tim Ferriss, David Sedaris, and Toomey, <laughs> and the toilet paper manufacturer, so you can make us merch. Can you please I'm like learning. get us, get, help us out here? I'm learning what I like being here. <laughs> That's sexy exactly. too. Yes. Um, a film camera. I love taking film photos. And they're delightful. Oh, thank you so Your much. Your photos. I really, taking photos is something that makes me so happy and like getting the surprises back after you like kind of forget about it for a while and also like film is just still a mystery to me um my next kind of like artistic venture I think is learning how to print in a dark room Woo! so um film photo suitcase other things um honestly like socks and underwear but like sometimes I buy them in wherever I'm at and that's kind of like a fun thing to buy because then the underwear reminds you of your trip cool um I love buying like a little skincare treat too wherever I'm at especially like in Europe because you know nicer skincare amazing pharmacy pharmacy slay (laughs) and finally what do you love I love like Logie. <laughs> I love so many things and I actually make lists of what I love probably once every month so I can remind myself what I love. So off the top of my head, really quick, I love the sounds that cicadas make. I love being with people that remind me of being home. I love Logie. I love <laughs> peaches. I love the smell of jasmine. I love jumping off of cliffs and rocks into the ocean. And the feeling of salt water on my skin. I love having a tan. I love the clouds all over the world and taking time lapse videos of them. I love Louisa's curry. Oh. I love Riot. <laughs> <laughs> I love writing. I love sending postcards and receiving postcards. I love opulent tips and anything that Rachel Tashon writes. Uh, <laughs> I love finding what makes people tick. And I love a good deal. (laughs) 
<laughs> I feel like I'm on drugs because of this like list of euphoric things. Salt water on my skin, opulent tips, fantastic. I'm, that was a, what a fucking treat, Courtney. Thank you for coming on Silver Side. Thanks for having me. I'm gonna kick you out so I can write, so I can read an intro. Okay. Or so I can write an intro as we speak. You just be like, I love Courtney so much. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, that's why I'm making you leave. <laughs>